welcome to the Toddcast. It is a delightful Thursday evening, the 17th of January, and it is snowing like crazy here in glorious central Ohio, uh, which I have the pleasure of riding home in, which um, should hopefully be uneventful, if not probably a longer trip than normal. Um, Funny thing about uh, what I sometimes refer to as fluffy rain Uh, It seems to make everyone lose their minds uh, in terms of what what they should know about driving and how that works, Um, which is never a fun time for anyone forced to be on the roads. Uh, But we're we're gonna we're gonna persevere um, and uh, get there in one piece, hopefully, Um, and hopefully the the people the other folks on the road. aren't going to do much to uh, counter that for me, um, or cause that to be problematic. So, um, some of you may be asking, well, Todd, if it's inclement weather and you should be focusing on the road so as to not be part of the problem, what are you doing podcasting? And to that I'll say, it's all rigged in and I hit the button before I even, you know, put it in reverse and all I'm doing is talking. Uh, and if at any point something becomes problematic, I will simply stop talking and edit as need be. It's kind of my answer. Uh, um, because I, I do not condone uh, irresponsible or unsafe behaviors, uh, nor do I intend to engage in them. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that flapping my gums whilst driving um, will still allow me the level of uh, attention needed to, to navigate these hazards. Um, so with that in mind, let's get rolling. Um, a few, I don't remember how long ago, might have been a week, might have been longer, um, I, at the suggestion of the delightful Mrs. Hersey, uh, I recorded an episode on camping, um, that without putting any real thought into and just hopping behind the wheel and and rambling, uh, in my opinion did not go well, so this is the official re-record, uh, of said camping episode, um, it's only the second time I've done that, um, and, and, you know, hopefully this one will be better and a little more focused and a little more, uh, a little more juice to it. Um, it's not lost on me, the ridiculousness of podcasting about camping whilst, uh, you know, driving through a city in snow, um, but I've never let that sort of thing stop me before. I, I don't see why I should now. Um, I guess I should, you know say that I've never gone camping in the winter, um, at least not voluntarily, um, and especially not when it's been snowing, because uh, that to me doesn't seem like it's that much fun. Uh, I really enjoy camping. I like being in the outdoors. Um, I like being in the wet, freezing cold outdoors considerably less, so um, going camping in that is not on my you know, high list of to-dos. For obvious, what should be obvious reasons. Um, I say not voluntarily, um, because, um, I've never gone camping recreationally in the winter, um, you know, as a, as an adult, uh, and more specifically as a civilian. Um, there was a winter, uh, when at Homeport, uh, in Mississippi, uh, we did a field exercise, uh, in the winter, which was 
not snowy because that doesn't happen there very often, if at all. Um, but it was cold, uh, especially compared to what we were used to. Um, and that was less fun. Uh, let's face it, for several reasons. Once it, one, it was cold, and two, it was a military exercise and not a, you know, fun, happy camping trip. Um, field exercise, for those of you who, who may not be familiar, um, is, for the Seabees, at least, is basically the point at which they say, okay, we've trained you guys in some, some combat stuff, you know, how to be on patrol and how to, you know, fire your weapons and how to, you know, post sentries and provide camp security and all that stuff that you'll need to know, you know, if we ever go to war and need to deploy you and uh, have you guys build your little tent city uh, and go participate in the We Fight portion of We Build, We Fight, the CV motto. Um, and basically they say, we've trained you all that, you know, in the classroom and in, you know, miscellaneous activities. But we're actually going to now send you out into the woods for two weeks to show that, you know, you've learned what it is you need to know uh, and prove that you can do this so that we can, you know, call your unit, uh, you know, field ready. It's, it's, it's sort of the, uh, sort of the final exam for that particular piece of, of what have you, um, for the military. So, uh, they, you know, would pack us all up, uh, all our tents, all our gear, um, you get a backpack and a sea bag full of stuff, and you are going to go live in the woods for, for two weeks, uh, cut off from everything else as though, you know, and pretend that you've been deployed to a war zone, uh, you know, and set up entrenchments and protective measures, uh, and send people out on patrol and, you know, look for booby traps and all that fun stuff. Um, which is not a fun thing to do even when the weather is on your side. Um, if you have to go on a field exercise, uh, spring or fall is best, uh, just because the temperatures are, are, you know, mild, um, and so forth. Um, there is an element of the field exercise, um, that involves readiness for, um, what they call CBR situations, uh, and that stands for chemical, biological, and radiological dangers. Um, and the way that you cope with those dangers is special gear and clothing designed to counter, counter those effects. Um, it's called MOP gear, M-O-P-P. And it's been long enough that I'll be damned if I can remember what those letters stand for. Um, I know one of the P's is protective. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but the point is, is basically what this gear amounts to is big rubber galoshes that fit over your, your boots. Uh, rubber gloves, um, real thick rubber gloves, a gas mask, and a, a two-piece outfit that, uh, you know, pants and an over, like an oversized hoodie situation that is made from cloth and activated charcoal. The inside lining is charcoal. Um, and you do this up in such a way as it seals you off from the outside world, and if there is a chemical, chemical uh, or biological attack, uh, it'll hit your suit and not you. Um, the activated charcoal is there to, you know, prevent, uh, you know, anything from soaking through the fabric, uh, and getting to you. Um, 
the disadvantage of the you know the, the CDR drills we do on field exercise, uh, aside from the random nature of them, because they'll sound a special horn, and you have to put all this stuff on as quickly as humanly possible. Uh, and they do have folks with stopwatches timing you, um, and if you don't do it quick enough, they point you and go, "Congratulations, you're dead." Um, in addition to that, and them doing it, as I said, at random times, so, you know, you finally get off watch and have four hours to sleep, and invariably, you know, 20 minutes into that, they'll sound the alarm, and you have to get up and do this, and then you, can, you're, you can't go back to sleep, and you basically end up going for, you know, two, three days without sleep because of this. Uh, there was a time we did one of these field exercises when we were in Okinawa in the height of summer, and you can imagine the height of a humid summer being forced to cover every inch of your body, uh, most of which is a thick suit lined with activated charcoal. Um, the advantage to having these things happen when it's winter is you now have an excuse to throw on an extra layer and it keeps you warmer, but at the same time, you're miserable. You're warmer, but you're still miserable because you're breathing through a gas mask and you're in, you know, sweat-soaked, sticky rubber gloves and um, activated charcoal outfit. Um, but I digress from the, the true purpose, uh, of today's podcast, which, uh, is, is not camping in the military field exercise perspective. It is in the recreational sense, uh, that I suspect most of the listeners, uh, can relate to. Um, as I may or may not have mentioned in previous podcasts, um, I have always been interested in camping. Uh, as a, a very young lad, I got my hands on uh, a Boy Scout handbook, which, as you would imagine, um, a fair chunk of that manual concerns itself with outdoor survival and camping and tying knots and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff, which I found fascinating um, and super enjoyed and, and wanted to, you know, take part in. Um, Unfortunately, as a small lad, I lived out in the woods, and um, due to a variety of logistical reasons, I never was actually part of the Boy Scouts. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't get to go on their, you know, camping outings because I wasn't actually a part of their group. I just had their book and thought it was awesome. Um, and the family did not camp. Mom and dad and, and you know, brother and sisters, we, we were not camping folk, um, I don't know if there's a particular reason, if there was some reason they were averse to that, or just not a thing that we did. I, I don't know. I, I suspect it just fell into the category of, you know, I got nothing against it, but, I'm, you know, we just don't have the gear and aren't interested. Um, so I never, I, I, you know, I didn't go camping as a young lad. Um, later, when I ended up, when we moved into, into the city, I actually did join the Boy Scouts. Um... And for reasons too, too petty and or complex, depending on how you want to look at it, um, it's more of a story than I, again, want to get into here, but I was with the Boy Scouts of America for maybe nine months before I said, yeah, this really isn't my cup of tea. And during that time, they did not have any camping excursions, so again, I, I did not get to enjoy that. Um... As mentioned, I did some what can only tangentially be considered camping while I was in the military. Uh, and then when I went to Florida, 
camping really wasn't on the agenda. Um, none of the none of the folks I hung with were necessarily what you'd call outdoorsy, and also I don't know how keen camping in Central Florida would have been in any case uh, due to heat and humidity and mosquitoes, etc. Somehow I think that would have been less fun uh, than the camping that I've done, you know, here in my later years. Um, so it wasn't until I came back to Ohio um, that I, I finally got to go camping. Uh, and it was fantastic. Um, the, the family I was living with, um, they camped regularly. Um, as it happens, um, the woman who would eventually become my wife was also a, a big fan of camping. Um, and so eventually, you know, I was taken camping, uh, and, you know, found that I loved it. Uh, it was, it was everything that I, I'd hoped it would be. Um, and so I just want to, you know, take a, take a bit to sort of, you know, chat about that a little bit. Um, it occurs to me that what with the snow being what it is, I do have the wipers going. I don't know if the microphone's picking that up, uh, but if you, you're hearing an occasional, you know, swish of the wipers, I apologize. But, um, again, referencing that safety thing, uh, I'm not going to turn them off for the sake of audio quality, and I apologize uh, if, if you're picking that up. Uh, if you can't hear it, then hooray, and I'm sorry to have wasted the past, you know, 30 seconds talking about a thing you're not Either way, it's all good. Uh, so back to camping. Um, started off, you know, there there are some uh, some local parks, state parks, sort of thing here, local to Ohio, which is where where I kind of got my start camping. Um, you know, pack up the sleeping bag and the tents and all that that fun stuff, and just you know drive a couple hours, get to the place, set up camp, hang out, cook out, have a fire. Um, I want to say the places we went to had a lake you could swim in, um, you know, just, just generally good times go for a weekend or a long weekend and then, you know, pack it all up and come home, uh, which I highly recommend. And we haven't done much of, uh, in the past several years now that I think of it, and I wouldn't mind doing that more. Um, but eventually, uh, we got to... You know, Abby and I and the girls, because we do enjoy camping, um, and we were, you know, going to, you know, plan what do we want to do for our summer, um, and I think it was probably Abby's idea, because it was a good idea, and, and she's good for those, um, more so than I am in a lot of cases, uh, she suggested that, you know, how about we, you know, go on a, a nice, you know, week and a half long road trip uh, across the country, and, you know, we can travel by car, uh, so we don't need airplane tickets, uh, you know, we can do some hoteling, but how about we just camp wherever it is we're going, you know, let's check out some national parks, let's check out some, some monuments and such, uh, and, you know, we can save money and, and have, still have a good time, uh, by camping, uh, which is what we did, uh, our first trip, uh, was to, uh, basically the Mount Rushmore area, and, you know, things around there, and we, we drove from Columbus out to, you know, the Mount, Mount Rushmore region of the world, um, and Abby, uh, logistics wizard that she is, um, made all the arrangements and found us campsites, and we'd get there, and we, we, 
you know, pitch our tents and get everything set up and then, you know, just head out on little day trips to go see Mount Rushmore or, or Devil's Tower and things like that. Um, which was hugely successful. Um, like I said, we all enjoy camping um, and we really enjoyed going to, you know, the national parks and such. And so that's been kind of our jam ever since, you know, when we're thinking about what do we want to do for our summer vacation, it generally involves us, you know, loading all the camping gear into the car and heading out uh, across this delightful country, um, camping our way across and, you know, to wherever we are, normally either in or adjacent to a national park. Um, and generally speaking, it's, it's been, it's been awesome, um, we made an exception to that last year, um, due to, uh, basically some, some injuries, uh, camping and hiking wasn't necessarily going to be the best plan, so instead we, we rented a cabin in Michigan, um, which was still good, um, but other than that, it's been camping across the country, um, and I believe I may have said this before, but I'll say it again. Um, as a result, uh, we as a family have been to 48 of the 50 states, uh, the exceptions being um, Hawaii and Alaska. Um, and so, you know, we've taken several trips out west, sort of weaving our way through the states and, and camping our way along that. Uh, I would say probably, I wouldn't call it a bad trip, because I think we all still generally enjoyed ourselves, but probably the roughest from the camping perspective uh, was the year we trekked off to Maine to hit all of the, the northeastern states. Um, and that's chiefly because the, you know, the weeks that we had planned to go, it ended up being rainy. Um, and we still enjoyed camping. And I will, I still hold that going to bed while camping to the sound of raindrops on your, the roof of your tent is a very tranquil and therapeutic and great way to fall asleep. Um, but the downside is, is in the morning you have to pack away a wet tent, which is all kinds of no fun. Um, and then when you get to your place because you packed the tent wet, it's damp when you unpack it and go to pitch it. Um, and if you're lucky, it's sunny then so it can dry out. But if you're not lucky, it stays damp the whole time and can be less than fun. Um, but nevertheless, I still think that was a successful venture. I still think largely we all had a good time. Um, yeah. So, uh, if you are not a camping person or a person who's gone camping, I highly recommend it. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I mean, for all that matter, um, when I was about to get married, uh, to Abby... Uh, rather than go the traditional bachelor party route, um, we actually had a camping trip. We, we did bachelor camping, um, which was greatly successful and, and far superior in my mind. Uh, you know, maybe it's because I'm not 20 anymore, but going to, you know, strip clubs and getting drunk that and, and just being a general, you know, douchey asshat is not really a thing I was necessarily looking forward to, to doing, uh, as my, my bachelor event. Um, but going out into the woods and hanging around a fire and cooking up some meat and getting drunk, that's, that's, that's just awesome. Um, and that was, that was quite good. Um, 
there were only, I think, three of us that ended up camping, but a bunch of other fellows that showed up just, you know, to hang out for the evening. Um, and it was really, it was really good times. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, prior to that, uh, because my best man was my brother, Eric, uh, who had likewise not been camping before, uh, he and I, you know, we decided, well, how about before we do this, you and I go camping to see, to make sure you're not miserable. Uh, cause yes, it's my bachelor party and yes, I'm, you know, the point is for me to be happy, but if you're miserable, that's going to kind of detract from me having a good time. So let's make sure this works. Um, so we had the Hersey boy camp out. Um, me and Eric, a couple of tents went out to, uh, I can't remember if it was Tappan Lake or Piedmont Lake or some lake in Ohio. Uh, I was about midway between, uh, where he lives and where I live. Um, it was good times. Um, he seemed to enjoy himself. He told me he enjoyed himself. And, you know, he either did or he was, you know, lying for my benefit. And, you know, if so, that's on him. Uh, but I, I, I feel like he enjoyed it. Um, and so we, we had the bachelor uh, camping uh, excursion, which, again, was, was great fun. Um, so I recommend that if, you're, if you've not camped before, and you're going to go camping. The whole moral of that story is, give it a field test. Give it, give it a quick, quick run. Um, you know, don't just buy a bunch of stuff and head off across the country like we did. Uh, you might want to, you know, start small. You know, buy some smaller, low-end gear and go for a weekend. Uh, and make sure it's not going to drive you crazy and make you miserable uh, before you commit. Um, because while it is cheap to camp yourself across the country as compared to staying in hotels and such, uh, you know, there is, you know, some expenditure up front. You have to have, you know, a tent and a sleeping bag and, you know, various other accoutrements to make camping successful, um, you know, the cost of which is non-zero. Uh, so, you know, try before you buy too much, I guess. Um, Tips and tricks for the new camper. Um, let's start with uh, your tent. Um, unless you are a single person who intends to only be the only person in your tent, uh, you want to take tent size into consideration when uh, selecting your tent. Um, the you know the when I first went camping. Um, Abby had a sort of a small, uh, little dome tent, uh, that, you know, worked well when it was just her and the girls camping, all three of them huddled in there. Um, but we weren't really interested in all four of us being in a tent, uh, for a variety of reasons that I won't elaborate on, but you can do the math. Um, but also because that's just a lot of people in a tent. Um, so, you know, she got another, another one and we, you know, went two by two. Um, but I'm kind of a big fella. Um, you know, I've been six foot two since I was in like the eighth grade. Um, and I'm rocking, let's just say 200 plus pounds, uh, and, and call it good there. Um, but a teeny tiny tent is not, was not necessarily the best plan. Um, so we later, you know, expanded. Um, so I would recommend that, you know, you take these things into consideration, uh, when, when selecting your tent. Um, as far as tent particulars, other than size, 
I don't know that I've got a whole lot of feedback there because um, my experience with tents has all been uh, with you know commercially available recreational tents. I'm pretty sure we've bought all of our tents like at Target. Um, they don't cost a whole lot, and they're all you know fairly similar. Uh, you know, you've got nylon material that's that's you know water waterproof or at least water resistant. Um, it's obviously all stitched together into a tent shape, uh, and a bunch of you know collapsible fiberglass poles that you install you know, through various sleeves and stuff that then pop up and create tent structure. Uh, you know, there, there are places where you can spike down uh, little anchors into the, the corners of it so it doesn't blow away uh, and so forth. But, uh, like I said, we've had several of different styles. Outside of size, I don't know that there's anything necessarily to recommend in the tent selection procedure. You know, in terms of comparing brands or, or anything like that. Uh, I imagine that if you're hardcore and do, you know, camp more than, you know, a week, a year, there's probably, you know, some advantages to going to, you know, the actual outdoor stores and, and buying, you know, quote, hardcore, uh, unquote, tents. But for, for our purposes, um, and especially for, for the beginners, just, just get a tent that looks like it's going to be big enough for you. Um, one tip I do have for, um, the new camper is that once you've gotten your tent, take it home and go out into your lawn or somewhere where there's space and unpack that bad boy and put it up so that you know how it all works. Uh, like I said, it's not rocket science. But it's a giant sack of, you know, nylon with, you know, little places to put the pegs uh, and, the, and the poles. And you kind of need to do that in daylight, looking at the instructions to figure out how well that goes together a couple of times. Because uh, otherwise you run the risk of, oh, this is a brand new tent. I've never, you know, laid eyes on the inside of its package before. And I just got to my campsite and it's getting dark. And you don't want to be in that situation. You want to practice that a little bit. Uh, practice putting it up. Um, you definitely want to practice putting it together. Because uh, those things are designed to be packed up in a pretty tight case so that they're, they're transportable. Uh, but until you get to feel for how to pack that tent to get it to fit back into its bag, you're going to struggle a little bit. And again, you don't want to be doing that, you know, first thing in the morning when you're trying to hit the road. Or you don't want your first time to do that to be with a wet tent etc. Uh, so give it some, give it a couple practice runs, um, is my recommendation to you. Um, the last piece of advice I'll give on the tent, uh, for newbies is that when you're done camping and go home, you know, wait for the weather to be nice and go back out to that, that, you know, patch of lawn or field or whatever and unpack that bad boy again and clean it out before you, you know, stow it for the season or for, you know, weeks or whatever. Uh, because if your tent was damp when you packed it up, you do not want to throw that down in your basement. You're going to have a mold factory that's going to be just disgusting and unusable. You might as well throw the thing away. Uh, the other thing is that as you're tenting, you're, you're camping, you're going to be going in and out of the tent, 
and there may or may not be mud, there will at least be dirt, you'll get a bunch of that stuff inside the tent. And modern tents are like enclosed things that have a floor in them. Uh, and it's good to, you know, build it while you're at home and have access to your dustbuster uh, so that you can get rid of all that so you're not, you know, carrying chunks of soil and dead bugs with you uh, year to year, state to state. Just a, just a tip there. Um, obviously the tent is the, you know, key component of camping. Uh, we've talked about that to death. Uh, the next piece I would say of importance would be, you know, your bedding. Um, you're going to want a sleeping bag. Depending on where you're camping will largely depend on what sleeping bag you get. Um, if you're in, you know, in a warm climate or going to be, you know, camping, you know, in hot weather, you're obviously going to want a different style of sleeping bag than if you're, you know, working your way across the northern states, uh, you know, in late fall, uh, you know, in terms of the warmth factor of said sleeping bag. Um, the ones we have are all sort of mid-range models that kind of cover all your bases, and we've used them in a variety of places. Uh, you know, we've, you know, camped in Montana, we've camped in Maine, um, and they generally to be warm enough, um, especially if you have a camping buddy to cuddle up with, uh, as I do, quite thankfully. Uh, we've also taken those same ones with us when we were camping, you know, and camped in, you know, the south, or when we were in Nevada and camped, you know, by Lake Mead, which was by far the hottest camping situation I've ever been in, um, in which case the sleeping bag it becomes less of a bag and more of a, you know plush thing to lie on if it's super hot, but again, you know, your, your results may vary, just keep that in mind when you're buying your sleeping bag. Um, the other thing that I highly recommend um, is some sort of mat. Um, we are not, at least at this stage, the, the kind of folks who take, like, inflatable air mattresses with us camping. Um, I imagine as I get older, that may become more and more attractive as an option, but as young folks, or people, in my case, someone pretending to be young, uh, not quite looking to go that route, uh, and yet, throwing your sleeping bag directly on the floor of the tent on hard ground might be less enjoyable than you would, would hope for, um, and they do make a variety of, like, little foam mats that you can put under to help sort of, uh, offset that discomfort, um, that I highly recommend. Um, I actually picked that little nugget up while I was in the military. Um, in addition to our standard issue sleeping bags, there were, you know, mats that they gave us, little foam mats. Uh, I guess imagine, if you will, a, a foam yoga mat, but probably two to three times as thick, um, and long enough to, you know, be under a, a full-size sleeping bag person when lying down. Um, that rolled up and, you know, rigged into your, your backpack all well. Um, for the first few years there, uh, Abby and I actually went to, you know, the Army-Navy surplus and bought a couple of those. Uh, here in recent years, we bought some of the newer fangled high-tech ones that have little, you know, made of special materials and have little pockets to capture heat and or let air vent through them. Um, that worked out really well, but I highly recommend that over just dropping a sleeping bag on the, on the, the ground. Um, cause 
depending on where you're camping, that is a variable um, that you might not think about but makes a whole lot of difference. Um, we've camped places where the campsite was basically just like a lawn and there was nice grass and, you know, soft earth under it. And so the ground wasn't that bad to sleep on. Like all you really had to worry about was, you know, if there was any slope to the ground, making sure you didn't, you know, situate yourself in a way to where you're constantly rolling over onto your wife. Not that that ever ha happened, uh, but, you, you know, the softness of the ground wasn't a problem. We've been other places where where you're supposed to put your tent is a area that has been, you know, cleared and generally level for your tent, but it's basically a gravel bed, um, which, as you can imagine, is slightly less comfy to, to lie on. Um, and the pad really helps you out there. Um, you're going to want to invest in a, a quality cook set, uh, some sort of uh, dishes um, and, you know, sort of transportable pots and pans and so forth so that you can cook over your fire. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but we did eventually pick up a camp stove that works off of propane. Um, for those situations when it's too wet to build a fire or you just don't have that kind of time, you just want to get food going. Uh, so that's an option, but whether you cook over, you know, a, a propane camp stove or over a fire, you need stuff to cook in. Um, and they make up a wide variety of those um, that, that pack up small and are therefore, you know, transportable. Uh, it's good stuff. Uh, you're going to want a quality cooler. Um, sizable enough for you to fit all of your stuff in uh, when you're packing that cooler. I highly recommend that instead of going for the, you know, when you buy a bag of ice at the local, you know, gas station store or whatever, uh, get a bag of the standard sort of cubed ice because um, that's useful to pack around things uh, and or go into your beverages. Uh, but you may also want to invest, and I highly recommend getting block ice that is just literally a, you know, six inch by six inch by a foot solid block of ice. Uh, it stays colder longer uh, to keep all of your stuff. So, if, you know, I mean, we would basically go shopping. You know, we'd get to a place, set up camp, go shopping, and pack up the cooler uh, with stuff for that night, the next morning, and possibly, you know, lunch the next day. And so you want to keep your cooler nice and cool for all of that. Block ice, my friend, is, is the way to go there. Um, food choices are up to you. Uh, I mean, you know, spores, materials, hot dogs, burgers, these are sort of the gimmies, but depending on your dietary needs and or restrictions, you know, use your best judgment. You know what you want to eat and go with that. I'm not going to get too, too in the woods on that one with you. Um, fire stuff. Most campsites have firewood available. Um, either at the campsite, a lot of campsites have camp stores uh, where you can buy, you know, snacks and food and firewood and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, firewood itself, the actual logs, are normally not a problem. Actual tinder and kindling, however, are not necessarily as readily available. And the thing about building fires is, is 
you know, what you see in movies and TV, it's like, oh, you stack a few logs, you set it on fire, and then it's a fire. It doesn't really work like that in reality. Um, and for those of you who may not know this, let me, you know, go ahead and, and, and give you the, the, the lowdown there. Um, the logs are what is called fuel for the fire. Um, it's the stuff that basically, once you have a fire going, it is what the fire is going to consume and keep the fire going. Uh, it's devilishly hard to start a fire with only fuel. Uh, the next step down from that would be your kindling. Um, smaller sticks or, or, or smaller pieces of wood. Um, and then the next step down from that is tinder, which is very flammable materials in, in you know, smaller form factor, generally smaller quantities. The idea being that with tinder, it's easy to catch fire, but it's going to burn up quickly and go away. Um, with fuel, it takes a while for it to light, but once it's on fire, it will stay on fire for a good long time. And your kindling is sort of in the middle. So, yes, when you're building a fire, you do stack up logs, but under those logs, there is a layer of kindling, being the little sticks, and inside of that, you have some tinder. And the idea being that you light the tinder because it's easy to light. And then as it burns, it catches the kindling on fire. And as the kindling burns, it then catches your logs on fire. And when all of that's done and your logs have properly caught fire, you, my friend, now actually have a campfire. Um, I knew this from my previous Boy Scout studies. Um... And yet, when it came time to build fires the first few times I went camping, I apparently, it all went out the window or I chose to ignore it. Um, and or, I did not plan ahead to have kindling and tinder handy and just tried to catch logs on fire. Uh, which generally involves um, taking a bunch of your paper plates and setting them on fire. Uh, and then going, okay, what food did we get that came in cardboard boxes that we can pirate and catch on fire to try and use this? And it becomes a long, laborious process wherein you burn a whole lot of things you don't need to burn because you didn't plan ahead. Moral of the story is, um, it's easy to get logs. Plan ahead for the other stuff. Um, one of the easiest ways to do that is to have some sort of fire. Um, and you've got some options there. If you are building your campfire just to have a fire to sit around, um, you can get one of those like starter logs that people use in their in their fireplaces at home, uh, and it'll light up real quick, and then it'll catch the other stuff on fire. It'll be great. Uh, the reason I specifically say that's great if you just want a you know a campfire for to look at or to keep you warm. It's because those logs are filled with chemicals, and you probably don't want to be cooking over that. That, that seems like a poor choice. Um, you could, and I've done this before, uh, use charcoal. Like, you're using a charcoal grill outside, uh, especially if you get, like, the match light stuff. Um, you put that down, you get that fired up, and once that's going, you can put your logs on it, and it'll catch there. kind of acts as your tinder for you. Um, and because it's charcoal that's intended to be used for cooking over as well, you can use it to cook on or just to get a, you know, a visual heat campfire going as well. Um, one of the tricks that I learned and is, is pretty effective, but does require, uh, 
a little of planning and energy up front is to make your own fire lighters. Um, and so what you do is throughout the year, as you're doing your laundry, uh, whenever you clean the lint trap on your dryer, uh, you basically collect that stuff. Um, and I had like an old sock that had lost its mate, as they tend to do in the wash. That I would clean the lint filter and just jam that bad jam jam that down into the sock and collect that over the course of the year. Um, what you then do before you go camping is you acquire or have kept uh, some egg cartons, cardboard egg cartons, not styrofoam, uh, because again you're going to be throwing this into a fire and styrofoam is not a thing you want to you know catch fire to for a variety of reasons, not least of which the toxic fumes. Uh, but you get some cardboard egg cartons. And what you do is you divvy up your lint into each of those little pockets. Uh, you then get some paraffin, which you can get at the grocery store, uh, in the baking aisle. It's just wax that, you know, that melts pretty easy. Uh, and you melt that in like a double boiler or equivalent. And then you pour that into each of these cups. It permeates the, uh, the lint and the cardboard and forms it into a sort of solid unit. You let that dry. And then you just cut each of the little compartments apart. And you, my friend, throw those into a Ziploc bag and you got some fire lighters. Because you hold a match or a lighter to one of those and it will melt the wax and catch the cardboard on fire, which then catches the rest of it on fire. And the wax, like all of the base materials, except for the wax, light really easily. The wax keeps it going slow enough to where it doesn't just burn up immediately but long enough to catch your logs and such on fire. It's real easy, real cheap, you know, real simple to do, just a little planning ahead of time. Um, highly recommended, again, because just trying to, you know, as a goof, find yourself some firewood, grab one of those logs and a lighter, and you go ahead and try and just directly catch that bad boy on fire. Um, and tell me how that works for you, and I can tell you it does not go well. Um... Recreationally, um, what you do while camping varies from person to person. Um, I know some folks that are big into fishing. If that's your jam and you're camping near a fishing spot, I can't imagine a better way to go about doing that. I am not a big fisher person, uh, nor do I know what to do with a fish if I caught it. But I imagine if you are a fisherman who knows how to catch fish and then, you know, clean and fillet and all those stuff it seemed to me like it would be just awesome to you know set up camp go fishing come home cook your fish to me that just seems awesome it's just not my skill set um hiking is great you're in the outdoors you're there to enjoy the outdoors if you're at a campsite that has hiking paths around you perfect uh a lot of times, you know, we'll set camp and then drive to a, you know, place in the park where there's camping, and we'll do that. That's fun. Um, obviously, if you're at a national park, there's plenty to go and see after you've camped. Hooray. Um, things to do at the campsite. Um, obviously, there's drinking. <laughs> um, if you're not so fond of the drinking, um, we always pack a variety of games. Card games, board games whatnot. Uh, we've got several travel editions of various games that we bring with. Uh, we always allocate space for said things because uh, we are a family who really enjoys us some gaming. Um, a lot of campsites that we've been to, uh, in addition to just being, you know, a chunk of ground that you can pitch a tent on, 
Um, sometimes they have, you know, electrical outlets. So if you want to bring a radio, you can do that. Um, they all have a fire pit of some sort. Sometimes they have, you know, a spigot for running water, or sometimes it's a communal, you know, water, water thing. Um, but most of the ones we've been at, in addition to the fire pit and the place to camp, have had uh, picnic tables there available. Uh, you know, so you just sit there and play games to your heart's content, and it all works out fantastically. Uh, again, highly recommended. Um, books. Again, you're out in the wilderness. It's all very peaceful and quiet. You kick back in your camp chair, crack open a good book, and just relax. It's it's fantastic. I, I highly recommend it. Um, like I said, if you've got you know power on site or you've got something that's battery operated, listening to music's all right. I will say that if you're in a campsite where you're in fairly close proximity to your neighbors, do not bring a a boombox or anything that has speakers that makes a lot of, you know, musical noise. You don't know what the musical tastes of your neighbors are. Or if they're trying to just, oh, I don't know, enjoy the sounds of nature and read a book, for example. Maybe they don't want to hear, uh, you know, DMX wrapping it up about his thug life while you're camping. I don't know. Not that that ever happened. But it, it's a conceivable thing that could possibly happen. So I'll use it as an example. Hint, hint. Um, don't be that guy. Um, but if you've got, you, you know, your campsite's kind of off by itself, or you've got something that's at a low volume that just you're hearing it, by all means, rock on. Um, a lot of the campsites we've been to have been adjacent to, you know, a lake or pond, or they have a swimming pool on site. Uh, that is often, you know, fun and refreshing. Highly recommend that. Um, I mean, really, it's up to you to do what you want to do. These are the things that we do that I highly recommend and have enjoyed. Uh, you know, do, do what you like. Uh, I imagine more sporty people than myself probably bring along, you know, various balls uh, and or other sporting gear um, and probably find great success there. Good on you. Um, I think one time we took, um, frisbees, maybe a high, a high set we, we tried to, to muck about with, uh, once or twice, um, uh, but generally not, not the route we go. Um, but whatever suits you, whatever is going to make you happy and, and let you have some fun out in the great outdoors, uh, it's good to disconnect, uh, you know, from the insanity of daily life and, you know, living in a town and driving and buying things and, and you know, to, to get away from your, your computer, uh, your, and your TV. It's, it's, it's a, it's very therapeutic for me. Um, I, I think that, uh, if you're the type of person who enjoys the outdoors, you, you will also enjoy it. Um, and I highly recommend it uh, to all. Um, if you've got some camping stories you want to tell me about or ask any specific questions about camping, uh, feel free to reach out to me at casttodd on Twitter or drop me an email uh, via toddcastpodcast at gmail.com uh, and I will happily speak to those points if you want to you know, relate a shortish camping story or antidote of your own, you can send me a message uh, via Anchor. Um, 
But as I am just now pulling into my parking spot, this timed out pretty well, so I'm going to call it good. Uh, thanks for listening, and until next time, I hope you have a good one. And that's it.